Every year, June 14th is remembered for many reasons. Action Comics Issue 1 released, introducing Superman. The Continental Congress approved the design of the national flag, Steffi Graf's birthday. But this year, we'll top them all. Hey, you guys, this is Bevo, and if you come to the anniversary show, I might be drunk enough to let you take pictures of my booth. It's the Brewing Network's third anniversary party. Hey, howdy, hey. This is Jamel. I'll be there. Hey, guys, it's Sully. I'll be on the Vespa with Steph. See you there. This is Kelly Beck, and I'll be there. This is Announcer Guy, and I'll be there. John Foster. Chris Graham. Bedrock. Bob. Jay Brew. We say. Push Jack. Mrs. Push. Nana. O.J. Simpson. Hey, this is John Palmer. I'm going to miss the drunk Jenga. Damn. Come celebrate three years of live beer radio at Downtown Joe's in Napa, Saturday, June 14th. This is Bevo, and I'm going to be there. Ooh, that's good. Don't miss it. Northern Brewer is the proud sponsor of the Brewing Network's Jameel Show. They have the widest selection of domestic and imported malts and grain, hops from all over the world, and a full line of liquid and dry yeast. No matter what style of beer you're brewing, Northern Brewer has the ingredients you need, plus fast shipping and expert staff to help you make the best beer possible. Please visit northernbrewer.com for all things homebrew. Your mic isn't even on. Hello. Oh, there I am. Hey, Dad. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> well, you don't sound like John, please, eh? No. This is Shat. <laughs> Chad. Chad Mosier. Producer of the Bruton Network. Chad. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here. Uh, John apparently is uh, in an altercation with the police. He's <laughs> been detained. Could be a while. Who knows? Depends how long, how much he clinches during the strip search. I think <laughs> if he's if he's real tight, it may take longer. If he if he just relaxes and goes with it, <laughs> it could be okay. Bring him in for X-rays. He'll, he'll you know he'll get through it much much quicker. You know you don't want to you don't want to struggle. Yeah, you just want to go with go with the flow, and then uh, you know they'll let you go after they have their way with you. <laughs> Poor Johnny. I'm terrible. I know I'm terrible. Speaking of which, <laughs> had a good time during the long shot. You were out there. You, yeah. you came out and uh, had a few beers with us. So. Great party. Great food. I mean, good oh, people. Yeah. 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 Boston Beer Company does a spectacular job of that. Mm. And, uh, you know, we just had a wild old time. It's like one giant party. And uh, evaluated some, some good beers and uh, determined, uh, you know, the winner for the West Region, all that, and I know that uh, unfortunately, our Johnny Plisse did not did not win, but he did pretty well. He was second place. 
Man. Of Weizenbach. That's pretty good. Out of, what, 330 beers? Yeah, 334, something like that. Yeah. yeah three, <laughs> between three, around there. It's a good job. Yeah, yeah. And I tasted that Weizenbach, and I tell you, that thing was excellent. Mm. That was an excellent beer. And actually, uh, I was I was sitting there during the Best of Show judging, and uh, one of the uh, Best of Show judges, uh, David Teckham, he had it as his first beer. And the other judges had uh, had a, a traditional Bach as their, their first beer, but uh, he he really believed in that beer, and uh, yeah, I I I think I may have gone that way if I had been on the best show panel. I I couldn't because I was uh, organizing the thing, but uh, if I I think if I was on that panel, I I think I would have picked the Weizenbach over the traditional Bach, which would have been unfortunate because. You know, they put a, a Weizenbach in the <laughs> six-pack this year. Right. I don't think they're going to be, like, every year doing a Weizenbach. But uh, uh, Johnny made a really nice one. Uh, I think probably one of the best home-brewed examples I've ever had of a Weizenbach. Wow. Better, than, better than what I've brewed. Would you say that style's getting pretty popular nowadays, or is it? Uh, I think things like the long shot make it more popular, make these styles more popular. Hmm. Tasty. So, that's really cool. And yeah. I, I tell you, you would not believe the number of... Uh, 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 Brewing Network listeners that were there that, you know, came from, you know, all over the country to uh, participate in this thing. And uh, it was really, really cool. I, I was quite busy, but, uh, you know, a number of people came up very respectfully. They're, they're like, hey, you know, I know you're busy. Don't want to interrupt. But uh, I just want to say hi. You know, I listen to the show a lot. Uh, thanks for answering my emails. And, uh you know, uh, real kind and, and generous, and uh, I was very, very impressed with the people who who came up and and talked to me. You know, a lot of younger guys, and when you're an old fart like myself, yeah, you, know, you think these uh, these little young upstarts, you know, whippersnappers, these whippersnappers with no 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 respect for their elders. These guys, it couldn't have been nicer, couldn't have been kinder. I was I was very pleased. You know, really. Really nice folks, and uh, you know, it got me thinking about uh, you know the whole the industry as a whole and how nice people are and uh, how much how much I enjoy you know just being part of part of this. It's it's really fantastic, and that anybody really appreciates what what we do. And that's fantastic, and you know, definitely um, even uh, you know in the homebrew suppliers, you know, like our 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 sponsor, uh, Northern Brewer, great people, just like just like these guys that were there. You know, real friendly, real kind, real knowledgeable about beer and uh, the ingredients, uh, you know, the proper ingredients and good ingredients to make good beer. You know, uh, if you get a chance, visit our sponsor, northernbrewer.com, and uh, go in there and you'll, you know, they'll take good care of you just like uh, like they take care of me, take care of everybody else. Uh, you know, good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I really got to gotta love uh, Northern Brewer for that, you know. I The first time I went there, to, ah, I, a long time ago, and nobody knew me from Adam, and uh, you know they treated me like a prince. You know, I think it's just the way they treat every customer. Yeah, that's great. So, that's good to hear. Yeah, so this whole weekend made me made me think along those lines. You know how how cool the industry is, and and just about everybody in it. I'm sure there's a few douchebags out there, but <laughs> hey, and it's good to hear young yeah. people involved. You know? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Uh, really cool, and that that they they seem so focused on, you know, beer quality, making great beer, and uh, you know, understanding great beer. They're putting a lot of effort into uh, you know being judges and uh, you know uh, analysis of beer, and uh, you know, spend a lot of time listening to the shows and doing a lot of brewing, a lot of experimenting, and uh, they, you know, their their goal is just to make the best beer possible. Oh, I thought you were just saying they had a lot of free time. <laughs> 
Yeah, just like you and I. That's uh, <laughs> very much, very much the story there. But uh, today we're going to talk about lambiques. Ooh, right? love them! So all different kinds: uh, the uh, the straight, the unblended uh, young lambics, and the uh, the husa or the goose, and uh, the uh, fruit lambics as well. Uh, you know, the, so the blended, the uh, blended with fruit, uh, uh, different series of uh, of beers. And you know, when you first start out, I think uh, you know the impression is. You know, there's like the liniment stuff with a really over-the-top fruit and a lot of sweetener added, and they're really intense with the sour, sweet, uh, and the almost candy-like fruitiness. And that's a lot of people's first exposure. Or maybe that that was, uh, you know, back when I started. And I think nowadays, uh, a lot of people get uh, a much better exposure they, you know, there's a lot more to choose on the market. When we're there, long shot we went to Tornado, we went to La Trap, and you know, there's a good selection of uh, of uh, you know uh, uh, lambic style beers to Great choose selection. From. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's yeah. so much out there. And you know, Lindemans is I, I think was at those places, but uh, you know, there's all these other ones that are even better examples that uh, that you know uh, people like yourself. You probably started with uh, that kind of lambic, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Framboise. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. You didn't start with the, uh, the 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 kind of lambic you might find at the Seven Eleven. You went with the, <laughs> the high end, the good stuff. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I I love that style. Um, it's definitely grown on me, and now I'm looking for better beers. I mean, not that that's not. I'm just saying I'm looking for more. Mm-hmm. Maybe like a, a goose now or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, a blend. Right. Um, right. So definitely, it's. Complex though. I mean, the Lindemans—it's—it's it's pretty tasty. Yeah. Well, and, and you're on your way to uh, to making your own blends here. You started. You got your first lambic yeah, going there. Yeah. We tasted it earlier. Broke the pellicle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you popped its cherry. <laughs> I th- I th- actually, yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Uh, Justin didn't care for it. It reminded him too much of uh, I don't know his younger days. <laughs> his, <laughs> his, diaper, his diaper days. days. <laughs> It reminded me of wearing a diaper, so I really uh, didn't care for it. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, I, I think the sourness is coming along. You had it there a year. About, I, yeah. I think your big mistake with that is uh, you didn't make enough. Yeah. I mean, you got, yeah. you got like two gallons there. And then, you know, you're going to someday have, have a few people, and it's going to be just spectacular, and it's going to be gone in a, in a session. Oh, you're yeah. like, ah. That's like all the beer here anyway. Yeah, exactly. Your, your beer doesn't <laughs> last very long. But, uh, you know, when you're making these, you want to make, you know, as much as you possibly can. And, and it really uh, And I up. think the key is just to forget about it. Yeah. You know, which pretty much happened with this beer. I, you know, I had a little runoff from a batch I did a year ago and mm-hmm. said, hey, I'm going to throw some uh, funky stuff in there and see what happens. Right. And I forgot about it. Patience. Today Patience. was the day. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. definitely uh, shown some age and... Doing some funky if, stuff. If you do that every year, if you you know if you pick a date every year and make yourself a lambic every year, you can um, you know kind of count on having these beers to blend and make a, a blended lambic uh, and make fruit lambics and all that. And you really got to make the base beer first, and uh, you know it really makes a big difference. 
So you got some notes here. You were put on the spot at like the last yeah. minute, so you didn't get any time to prepare. But you want to kind of give us the uh, overall rundown of these styles? You know? Sure. And, and even not necessarily the BJCP rundown, but uh, whatever you think as well from your experience. Because I know you drank quite a, quite a few of these. Sure. Um, well, you know, just the unblended Lambic to start. It's uh, pretty complex. Um, definitely sour, acidic, um, pale in color for sure. Um, and just a bunch of bugs thrown in there. Um, I love them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do. Mm-hmm. I really do. Um, but I think that's pretty much... Well, and the complexity comes from those bugs. And, uh, right. you know, and, and it's not, you know, it's, I, I think it's less random than a lot of people think. I know JP it was, you know, at one point he and I were... <laughs> Uh, kind of, you know, I, I respect JP, and you know, he's he's got a lot of knowledge, and um, you know, he was talking about uh, wood age beers, and eh, it's like, you know, go ahead and throw the wood in; it's not going to make a difference. It'll be fine, and and I I agree with that. I think you know we over worry about it a lot of times, but we're talking about Flanders. He goes, oh, it doesn't matter. You can throw anything in there; it doesn't really matter. And I beg to differ. I think uh, you know you don't want uh, there's there's some bugs that you really don't want in there because it's just going to make it taste horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know you do have some flexibility, and it would cover up a lot of stuff, and uh, would perhaps ask, add some uh, complexity. And what about the uh, other styles? What, what you got there on the the goose? On the goose or the goose? Uh, basically, goose, uh, depends on where you go and who you talk to. But uh, right, yeah. um, definitely uh, maybe a little more balanced, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. You know, um, from the blending, from the blending, yeah, um, which. You blend to make it balance, I, I guess mm-hmm. I would assume, right? Exactly. Um, uh, let's see. Definitely uh, not as hoppy, um, mm-hmm. I guess, per se. Um, well, none of them should be. Right. Uh, clarity should be very well. Um, almost moose-like. Whitehead. Mm-hmm. Seems to last forever. <laughs> That's what she tells me. Um, effervescent. Uh-huh. Definitely pretty uh-huh. effervescent. Um, just a complex beer, yeah, mm-hmm. overall. Mm-hmm. Cool. And what about the fruit beers? Fruit beers. Or the fruit lambic. Uh, fruity. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and the overall same complexity, sourness. Sour, yeah, complex, fruity, uh, but more of a pleasant sour, I mm-hmm. guess, per se. Um, definitely not just a fruit beer. Right, not a fruit, just a fruit beer, and not uh, not something really sweet. Uh, you know, it's better to have it, uh, you know, less sweet, more balanced, more you know, where the sourness is really more the focus than I think the sweetness. Uh, you know, some of those examples, real commercialized. That what they're doing is they're making fruit lambics, and you go over to Belgium, and uh, you know, you're having lambics, and you'll you know, banana lambics, and you know, kiwi lambics. And and it's got, you know, just a ton of sugar in these things. And I think they're kind of being marketed to a younger crowd that is looking at, you know, a lot of offerings, uh, you know, perhaps from the United States where it's, uh, you know, these uh, energy drinks or alcohol, alcopops with, you know, you know, for the Kool-Aid type of crowd. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a, f- a fine fruit lambic is not not along those lines. But yeah, I think uh, I think that's a good. And what good about the, the tartness? And say the fruit. I mean, mm-hmm. should that be pretty low? 
Oh, no, I think, I think uh, yeah, I think the tartness is all part of it. I think in any of the lambics, you really need, you, you want, you know, some tartness. And, uh, you know, some of them are far more extreme than others. And I think you could get to the point where it's not quite overly tart, but they, they never really should be sweet, mm-hmm. I think. You know, uh, more more balanced and all that. Okay. Uh, we'll take a short break, and when we come back, we'll kind of get into uh, uh, the techniques and recipes for brewing a fine lambic. We'll be back right after this. <laughs> oh, crap! It's the hop shortage! No, not the organic, free-range, oyster Russian imperial coffee stout! It's all gone. We'll never brew again. Damn this hop shortage! Damn it to hell! Oi! Away off your wee f***ing hop shortage, Who are you? A f***ing Scottish 80 shilling, and you can't brew a Scottish 80 shilling like you was mixing f***ing cement with f***ing hops instead of gravel, you great f***ing ass. Use less hops, brew more beer. Northern Brewer has kits and ingredients for dozens of worldwide beer styles that don't require a lot of hops to make a great pint, like the bloodthirsty and abusive Scottish 80 shilling. Keep drinking great beer. Order at northernbrewer.com and get flat rate $7.99 shipping anywhere in the contiguous U.S. One beer kit, $7.99 shipping. One million beer kits, $7.99 shipping. Together we can beat this hop shortage. It'll only f***ing help it. What have you gotten out of a vial of White Labs yeast? WLP-001. Cal Ale, baby. 23, Burton Ale. 008, East Coast Ale. Cal Common, WLP-810. It's going to be WLP-400 with beer. I got a sweet hoodie for my vial. Huh? White Labs, your source for great brewer's yeast, would like to invite all homebrewers to join the White Labs Customer Club. Redeem your empty vials for great White Labs merchandise and products. Free yeast, glassware, t-shirts, baseball caps, sweatshirts, polo shirts, and you won't believe what you'll get for 5,000 vials. Members also receive a newsletter packed with White Labs updates and facts, interviews with professional brewers, brew-your-own-clone recipes, beercook.com recipes, and customer club stories. The White Labs Customer Club. Save your vials and get in the club. White Labs. It's all in the vial. Did you know that every day a brewcaster goes to bed hungry? Did you know that that brewcaster is silently calling for the help of people just like you? Do you know that every day the unicorn and the rainbow have to blow sailors for loose change? For less than the cost of a half-calf, quad-shot, venti, extra-hot, soy milk, triple-pump, hazel, low-fat foam, double-cupped macchiato a day, you can help starving adults in Pacheco. Your love can be felt for as little as seven cents a day. Visit thebrewingnetwork.com slash donate to sign up today for as little as $2 a month. Private first class in the BN Army. Buy your way up the ranks as corporal, sergeant, ranger, or colonel with an easy-to-do monthly donation that keeps brewcasters alive and your favorite internet radio station broadcasting. No donation is too small to help those in need. Can't you find it in your heart to share your love with a brewcaster? In return, you will enjoy the wealth of knowledge that comes with every episode of the session. The Jamil Show and Yes even that other show. Thank you for listening, and please sign up for your donation at thebrewingnetwork.com slash donate today. You're listening to The Brewing Network. And now, back to The Jameel Show. All right, we're back. 
And uh, hey, howdy, hey, my uh, hello, my partner here, uh, John Plisse. Yeah. Back. My uh, rumbling Cajun is uh, from here the bayou. The, from the bayou. Is here, here. The police have let him go. Police let me get by <laughs> with my car, and I uh, came my report and my surveillance tape, and so apparently it had nothing to do with a full uh, cavity search. Nothing. Nothing. They, they were just like parked in his driveway or something. Yeah, there was actually something five cops. There. So I was, I was mistaken that the cops were trying to arrest John. Yeah. It really, it really was just uh, they were in his driveway blocking his access to his car. I could definitely see a couple of cops like, "What's that in your backyard on your deck, there, buddy?" <laughs> you know? Oh, it's a brew house. You yeah. making meth here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's on that stainless steel? Fuck. What's the matter with you? Yeah. Well, and, and uh, before you got here, Chad uh, graciously uh, sat in, did an excellent job. I was job. listening. Uh, that was very I'm, good. I'm retiring today. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> one of the things we talked about was your uh, your lo- one of your long shot beers, which is the the fights and Bach. That was mm. was uh, second place in the best of show round. Oof. So close. So close. But, but nice. you know, uh, one of the best show judges, uh, David Teckham, one of the guys that got me started in judging, hmm. uh, he had that Weissenbach as his first place. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And Let's I see. tasted it, and I tasted the, the traditional Bach that won. Yeah. I thought the Weissenbach was, a better, was the better brewed beer. Okay. And, and better recipe and, and more to style and, and, and just better done beer of the two. Nice. I would have chosen the, the Weissenbach myself. I thought it was, I thought it was the best homebrewed Weizenbach I've ever had. Whoa! I thought it was better than than what I brew. Wow! Thank you. I thought wow. it was really good. Quite I thought um, uh, the only thing was if it would have won, they just did a Weizenbach. I know that's what I was like. <laughs> There's probably the back of their mind some karma or something. Yeah, it's just like if it if it did yeah. go on to Boston, it'd just be like, well, yeah, we just did a Weizenbach. Maybe that's not the best choice for the six pack because I think that does go into the thinking there when they're trying to determine sure. what what the winner is out of the out of the regions uh, a beer goes from san francisco a beer goes from chicago two beers are advanced from boston region okay to this final panel and out of those four they're going to pick one to go into the six pack that's it wow yeah so in a way it's kind of good the traditional bach one because it was it's it a was beer. a really good beer but i think your weizenbach was was definitely the better better beer well it, um, it could have been a little weird to have like Another Weizenbach a year later because it yeah, was they, your recipe and was the name Rod who won it. Rod, last year? Yeah, 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 yeah. So tell tell us about this real quick. I, well, uh, remember we in the la- long we, uh, we did the cool. Weizenbach show. I don't know three months ago. Right, right. And I'm like, I'm I, I was wondering one. if you took anything. I got inspired. From that. I, I think you did and clearly. And a week later, I brewed it. And uh, no, I, I think we did it five months ago or something like that. Well, it's been lagering for four months, and the uh-huh. beer really aged out well. But uh-huh. it was your recipe from your book uh-huh. and i used some base malt from rod's uh-huh. recipe that he gave on the air right so right. i kind of blended cool. them but yeah cool. well apparently folks it's a great recipe. little update to the fights box show that's that's the trick to making it well that and you know a, a whole ton of brewer skill yeah. is the trick to making a, a great fights that beer is delicious now i love that beer. yeah it was really good it's, it was it was better than like you know you go and buy a bottle of aventinas and yeah. and yours was better nice well, it was, you know, it was like a fresh, you know, not all the horribly oxidized that you get on the Aventinas usually. Right. It was, you know, it had all those good uh, figgy and fruity flavors figs, yeah. and a lot of rich, you know, malt character and melanoidins and a little bit of caramel and it had all that yeah. going for it. And it's then, sexy beer. It's just got everything you need. And then it was, but it was, but it was fresh and it was, you know, really well done. It's funny that beer when it's really green, it's a little bit too much for me. 
Yeah, and I yeah, had to wait yeah. for like two months to lager it out because then I was like, okay, now it's palatable. Uh-huh. And I can drink this, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. or I can have like three or four at a night and I'll be okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah, beer's not going to last that much longer, apparently. Yeah. I bottled up two, uh, two and a half gallons worth. Yeah. So now, now, did this, did you enter this in the NHC? I did, and it got like a 31 a or 20, something. Or you a know, 30, really? Got, yeah. It got a 13. Yeah. You know? <laughs> what were the comments? Do you remember? I don't know. I mean, had so many It's answers. weird. It's, it's weird. You know. I get banana. Did you did you use the right yeast? Or, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's like banana and clove in this. What the hell is it? What, what are you doing with your beer that you're getting these weird flavors? <laughs> yeah. It, was, it is a Feitzen Bach. Yeah. Not a Bach. <laughs> I did pretty much everything that we've talked about, you know, yeah. for a minute, cool. You know, so that's, right, temp, you that's know. why I keep saying, you know, you, you know, one set of score sheets doesn't mean anything. You know, even three sets of score sheets doesn't mean anything. We get, you know, six to ten sets of score sheets. Then it starts to actually mean something, and you really, uh, you know, can kind of draw some conclusions. Mm-hmm. And you may, you know, sometimes you may like, I, I got a first place, and then ever since then, I've gotten like, you know, 20s. Yeah. It's like, well, if you're getting nine sets of 20s and you got one, you know, 38, or 38 and it was first place, I would question the 38 in first place. I wouldn't say it's an award-winning beer. Exactly. I would kind of throw that out and say, well, all right, you know, it's nice to win, but it doesn't really mean anything, right? you know, if it's a mistake. Or maybe if that's the first one and it wins, you know, your your beer, you know, maybe. your bottling technique's no good, or it's, you know, you know contamination's growing, it's souring, things like that. Sure. And, uh, you know, it's going downhill, and you need to look at that. Again, you can learn something from all these sheets, whether they really seem appropriate or not. And I think for John, I bet you what you would say, if you, you know, you'd look at those sheets that gave you a 31, you'd say, well, all right, you know, these don't really seem very accurate, but, you know, there's, you know, here's the... The types of things that you know the the uh, average judge might fall down on. Right, they're not able to detect uh, you know something at you know a certain level, and I need to bump it up because they're missing it, or some things seem overwhelming and they really don't understand. So maybe I need to dial it down to where they'll miss it, and the really good judges will still pick it up. Exactly. So it's a lot, or, you know, it's kind of like a fine tune. You have to kind of play the game of uh, a, a palettes. You know, of in palettes re- and, and also, yeah. uh, you know, just average. No, and somebody said, well, you know, then, you know, I'm not making the best beer possible. And, uh, you know, if, if if your idea of the best beer possible, I'm like totally straying off the mark here. It's but okay. when John and I sit down, this is what happened. We, we, we talk beer. We don't necessarily talk the styles. Uh, you know, uh, you know if if your if your perception of the best beer is what you like and what you consider the best beer possible then you don't need to enter any competitions just brew what you like to brew and dial it in for your palate very true yeah i don't happen to think that's the case i think there's there are beers out there that i think are are spectacular right and other people think are spectacular if I'm the only one that thinks a beer is spectacular, I don't think it's the greatest beer in the world. True. I don't define the greatest beer in the world. Well, everybody's if, different, you know. So. Right, right. And yeah. and not everyone's going to agree, and that's fine. Yeah. But if you can't get more people to agree that it's the greatest beer in the world, then it's the greatest beer in your brewery, <laughs> but not in, but you know, not in the whole city. <laughs> and, and maybe you need to question whether you, know, you have enough exposure to, to other beers out there. 
And so that's the kind of the purpose of competition and dialing in for all these pallets. You're not trying to game the system to win. You're trying to adjust your beer so the broadest number of people out there think it's one of the greatest beers they've ever consumed. Right. Right? That's a, a big difference. And there's there. a lot of variables, though. Right, and, right. I mean, there's tons. So, it. so again, we're, we're dialing it in so the, the largest number of people think, wow, that's the greatest beer in the world. Sure. Not, oh, you got a, a ribbon. That that that, that really Those are really not that hard to accumulate. Exactly. I mean, and in you can accumulate them without any, you know, without with very few people thinking it's a great beer. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, it only takes one set of judges. Well, so that's 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 kind of the thing is, uh, you know, you want uh, everyone, you know, or the majority to to think it's a great beer. Then you've you've really truly brewed a great beer. Well, see, when I thought that my Weizenbach scored lower because I don't think it was old enough. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I'm all these judges on these tables and these That's panels the have uh, what they call a, a standard, a beer, a, a palate adjuster. Mm-hmm. This is a, close to the style. Try this. And then they go into the judging panel, and then they drink the homebrews, and they try to find the one that's the best example of the styles. Right, right. So my, mine was pretty green and young going into that, mm-hmm. you know, like three months lagered. But I think a year from now, a little oxidation, you know, things will mellow. I think it'll even be better. And I think maybe more to what the judges Well, yeah, for, for the Aventinus type of character where I mean, exactly. people are used to drinking a, a, an old oxidized example of the style who versus knows? a fresh example. Yeah. Well, and I, th- that I, I think there's a lot of truth to that, that uh, in the, the time between the NHC and the long shot, uh, you know, some of those flavors can also mellow and blend. And there is some, some changes that happen that really kind of improve the flavor. Uh, Chad... Uh, Poured me a uh, 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 Vienna that just just finished out and just got in the keg a little while ago. So there was, uh, you know, still I think a little bit of uh, you know rough edge to it. And I think with a little bit of time, that's going to mellow out and it's, it's going to you know round out and it's going to be just right. Nice. Is, so, it, is it on tap right now or are we it's waiting? It's not. Okay. Because it will be gone in a week. <laughs> that's right. That's the problem. Damn it. <laughs> Around here, it's hard for Chad to do uh, loggers, I think. Start putting a lock in that freezer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the biscuit. There you go. Yeah, yeah. it's all blame it on the biscuit. So what, you got a recipe there from your book, Brewing Classic Styles? <laughs> yes, like every show since the book's come out. <laughs> I just turn to Brewing Classic Styles. In this case, we're bre- we're reading from... Uh, page 226 through page 232. Turn to uh, chapter 21 in your <laughs> Print Classic Styles book. Beep! <laughs> Please follow along, class. Continue. Well, and, you know, people wonder. It's like, well, are all those recipes your winning recipes? It's like, you betcha. You betcha. It's like, you know, that's the recipe I recommend. Yeah, it's right here in this book. I mean, I may come up with further tweaks to it in the future. A little bit of here, a little bit of there as I you know, kind of dial things in further. But, uh, you know, I think you can go with all these just as is. And, and that's why I, I, I read from these until I have uh, something better to give you. I'll give you my best, and that's in the book. There'll be a version two next, what, two years from now? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, everything that I, you know, I, I got like a 23, 24 uh, entries going on to the second round in the Nationals. That's a lot of freaking beer. All those recipes are in this book. They are, really? I kid you not. They're wow. all in this book. And, uh, you know, I made a, a point of, you know, not really putting anything in that was well, I take that back. The only things that aren't in this book are the ciders and the meads. Right. That's- but... 
We're doing cider and mead shows here on the Brewing Network. There you go. So you get that information right here and nowhere else. Right. Nice. Unless I do a cider and mead book. (laughs) (laughs) Then you got to pay for it. (laughs) All right. So uh, for a a straight Lambic. Lambic. uh, Original Gravity uh, 1053. Uh, Final Gravity is going to be a 1006. It can even be lower than that. It can be. It's a real dry, uh, you know, fairly thin beer. Uh, 90% attenuation. About five IBUs. It, it's hard to really know the IBUs because you're using these aged hops, oh, yeah. and so you just kind of ignore that. Uh, four SRM, fairly fairly light in color, kind of straw color generally. Six point two percent alcohol by volume, a ninety minute boil. And uh, if you're an extract brewer, and here's the interesting thing: is uh, Steve uh, Piotz uh, brews great uh, lambic beers. Really well known for for brewing a lot of uh, sour beers, and he prefers using uh, dry malt extract for his rather than mashing, right? Yeah, huh. or liquid because the dry malt extract is the lightest in color, so he likes a huh. light, nice light color, and it's real simple dry malt extract. So he makes up some dry malt extract, and he also throws in uh, three and a half ounces of uh, 100 grams of maltodextrin, and that's because uh, the 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 bugs will the bugs, eat yeah. the dextrins. And continue, well, you, wow, you, let's continue to eat everything. Right. But the yeast won't be right. able to eat the dextrins. Okay. Right? Right. So uh, it's something that the only the, the bugs can get to. So he does that. I, I don't do that. Uh, That's a good but, trick. Uh, yeah. I, you, know, I, I, you, you could definitely just go. And I think uh, Steve wrote, uh, he's written some articles about his, his lambic techniques where he like, pop, pops up in the lid and leaves it open overnight in his kitchen and all that. There's a lot of freaking bugs in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. But I, it's that's a, just a little too random for me. Yeah, that's I like nice. I like a little more controlled um, uh, wheat uh, malt extract. You're going to use five pounds or two point two six kilograms, and uh, Pilsner malt extract four point one pounds or one point eight six kilograms. Uh, aged tops three ounces at ninety minutes, eighty five grams. It doesn't matter what hop. Just use some hops. Aged tops. And I would, you know, interesting, uh, you know, when you age the hops, uh, put them in like a pap- paper bag uh, and kind of loose, not real tight because then they tend to mold, it seems. If you kind of fluff them up, the, the uh, leaf hops, fluff them up in the bag and then uh, you let them sit and let it where there's some air circulation, but it's kind of hot. Right. You know, they'll get kind of cheesy, and then it'll pass that cheesy stage. If it doesn't get past the cheesy stage, something's wrong, and toss them. But they should, um, uh, you know, smell kind of like hops, but uh, really more, um, you know, very subtle. You know, a lot of the the aromatics go away. If you still have a real aromatic, like, you know, Columbus or, you know, Cascade Centennial type of thing, Mm -hmm. I've used Cascades in Lambics before, and the, the, that aroma goes away. Sure. But that, that real citrusy uh, grapefruit. aroma, grapefruity aroma is there. Uh, I would not use those. Okay. I want to avoid that. It should be. So you might go with something more like a Halitau or a Tetanay or something like that. Uh, might might be a better choice. But, uh, you know, you can use uh, a number of different hops as long as uh, they get past that point. What if uh, you don't want to wait all that time? I mean, where can you find these hops? Maybe some age hops. Yeah, well, uh, that's a good question. I think uh, where I've gotten them, when I first started making Lambic, uh, my homebrew shop, 
at the time. Um, I went there and I mentioned it and, uh, he had some bags of old whole leaf hops that never got sold and he didn't throw away. And he gave me like, you know, several pounds of aged hops and they're perfectly aged. He's like, here you go, you know, take them, enjoy. Cool. And, uh, yeah, it was really cool. And he ordered like, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of, uh, all the, I, I ordered uh, at one time all the, uh, Y yeast and White Labs, uh, uh, bacterial and wild yeast cultures. You know, it's like 20 or 30 of them at the time. He's like, yeah, you, you want it? You sure you want everyone? I'm like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I, I ordered every single, single one they had. Wow. Got those for me, special order. Things you still like have that. those peers? Uh, I have some Lambic that was made from those. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I didn't use all in one, but, uh, you know, I kind of experimented around. Huh. Uh, and for this, you start with uh, uh, something clean. And so part of the trick is you if you, if you make yourself a, a, a lot of wort, maybe you can go ahead and, you know, split off five gallons and do... Um, like a sour blend of some kind, like uh, the Weiss 5278 Belgian Lambic blend or the White Labs uh, WP uh, 655 Belgian Sour Mix, and sour that up considerably. <coughs> and on the other, you know, three-quarters of your wort, you could go with uh, a real clean ale yeast like a WL. P001 California Ale or uh, 1056 Y Yeast or a Safale US05. You know, ferment out the bulk and then add your bugs to those. And this is what Steve Piotz does, and this is the, the purpose of the maltodextrins and things like that. Right, do you transfer after the. Do you secondary with the bugs or do you leave it in the primary? Uh, the bugs can go to secondary. The the main ale yeast, I would go ahead and transfer to a secondary to leave the bulk of that behind. There's still plenty of cells in suspension okay. that can be food for the uh, the bugs. You just don't want too much, or it gets kind of meaty. Okay. Right? So uh, you can you can uh, you know do batches like that and then blend them together. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't want to do that much, uh, the way to, to 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 do it is to start with the clean ale yeast. Uh, you might even underpitch a little bit. You might ferment it a bit cold. Uh, you know, leave behind some residuals, uh, a little bit more residuals, and then add your bugs. They will eat, consume that and all the other dextrins and stuff. And and, in, and once they reach a certain sourness level, they'll kind of stop when they reach a certain pH. Well, what's that length of time that you're usually leaving your beer in the secondary? I mean, till those bugs really give you those flavors they're going for right and you know the ale yeast you go you know just a few weeks okay. at most or you know a week it goes fairly quick the um the bugs depending on how much oxygen you got going in and that's going to determine how long it takes to sour you don't want a lot of oxygen you want a little bit of oxygen at the start and then kind of like not very much oxygen past that and uh yeah you go a year to two years wow just forget about it. <laughs> right, right. Tuck it away in a corner like Chad has here with his his uh, little baby. Yeah. And you know, as he was tucking it back under there after getting a sample, he's like, "Okay, okay, baby. good night, good night, back to your home. Okay, okay, little buddy, <laughs> back hug to your home." <laughs> he's caressing so, it. Now you commented. I had a pretty big pellicle on there. Well, uh-huh. I hear that a lot, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a big pellicle you got hanging but there, buddy. You were buddy. talking about, um, you know, oxygen getting uh-huh. in there and causing that i mean uh-huh. 
do you think that's exactly what was going on there? Yeah, generally. Well, all right. You you pitched a lot of Brett mm-hmm. uh, for the volume of beer you had. Plus, you had a lot of oxygen, and those two things will combine to give you a large pellicle. Right? Is that good or bad? Well, you can never have too big a pellicle. I think. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's what the ladies say. Nice. Um. So, uh, you know, I I think that's fine. Uh, you know, you, your Brett got a really good head start. You'll have more Brett character, I think, than if you you know, pitch less Brett and it doesn't get much oxygen to form the pellicle. And, you know, Brett doesn't want the oxygen necessarily, but it's kind of protecting the beer in itself from the oxygen. But that's part of what, uh, you know, is the formation there. Does the fermentation temperature uh, over time affect the Brett character? Oh, yeah, it, it affects all the character. Because very good point. Very, very good. Um, we'll get, do you want to get back to that later? I mean, you're still finishing up your recipe. I don't want to. No, I think I'm pretty much done. Okay. Uh, but uh, th- that's an excellent point. And here uh, we've, we've through the uh, the graciousness of uh, Peter, who he's got uh, three bags. Uh, we're talking at the uh, long shot. He's got three bags of chips, oak chips, that Vinny uh, from Russian River he supplied. And he, he, he's got three extra bags that have uh, all the, the uh, kind of inoculated with Vinny's special blend of bugs. And you can use this to make a lambic or, you know, Belgian uh, special ale or whatever you want. So we've got three bags that we're going to be giving away to uh, the three people that ask uh, questions in the, in the live chat. Nice. Uh, that we feel are the best three questions that are really it they don't need to be super complex questions or stump the brewer or anything it, it just good questions about the subject of brewing lambic that that uh you know maybe we didn't cover something exactly and you you want clarification that's that that's a good question if it helps people understand <laughs> the brewing process that's how we determine a good question go. so we'll be the judges okay and uh the, the three questions that we think are the best uh they win uh, this bugs. bag of, of of the bugs that they can use <laughs> and uh should work out great you just you know they they store well they're they're dried but you toss them in the, the bugs will come to life and uh, start to sour your beer they'll form a pellicle that whole thing I got so a fruit lambic with the, with those chips right now. Oh yeah, see, yeah. so you've used them, and you yeah, know, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, have you tasted it yet? Oh, it's delicious. Ooh. I did a strawberry lambic. Ooh. Ooh, yeah, sounds pretty cool. Yeah, now I'm going to actually repitch um, some fresh wort on top of it mm-hmm. to the remaining strawberries. Mm-hmm. Just keep blending it. Now, how many strawberries did you put in? Like f- three pounds. Yeah, yeah. Or how many or gallons? Five gallons. Yeah, see, that may not be enough. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, you can smell it and taste it, but. Right, right. All That's right, so uh, Next you, year. you had asked an excellent question about temperature. Yeah, does it affect uh, bread character? Right. Uh, it affects the bread character, the, the the lactic character, the pedio character, all the character, all these things, everything. Just like it, uh, when you're brewing a regular batch of beer, you know, the yeast temperature, the temperature you're fermenting at, dramatically affects the character. Sure. Same thing on this. I guess you could keep it steady all year long. Uh, and I, I have yet to try that, but I do have like a downstairs bathroom that's kind of protected from the sun and all this, and it stays pretty steady year round. It keeps the the uh, the, the uh, beer at about uh, you know sixty eight degrees or so throughout the year, and I think that's about right. You, know, you can do it warmer, and things will go faster, but it's not. You may get some funky flavors, and also things may not turn out right. It's going to favor one thing over the other. Uh, you know, uh, if you go too cold, things really won't go at a, a very decent pace and, you know, take forever to really develop. And again, y- you may be a little off. So kind of try and hit that mid range, you know, the 65 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit. 
uh, whatever that is, and, and uh, C. Okay. And, uh, you know, that, that tends to work well. If you are, um, you know, successful in brewing something like this, then we're talking, you know, you can make a hues or a goose, as we say out here. And uh, all that is, is is a blended beer, right? So you brew a lambic every year for, you know, several years, and then you sit down, get yourself some accurate measuring, you know, like a, a graduated cylinder, uh, some tasting cups, some eyedroppers maybe, uh, some water to cleanse your palate. And what you do is measure some out. You, you taste all the beers. You pick yourself the, the beer with the uh, kind of the most uh, uh, general background characters that you want. You know, kind of the maltiness, the sourness, things like Acidity. that. Something, And then uh, anything that's too dramatic, something that's o- turned up overly sour, overly barnyardy, overly, uh, uh, you know, one thing or another. You uh, use those to kind of complement, like, right? Complement your base beer, beer. Yeah. and you know you're like, oh, the base beer's not quite sour enough. I want a little bit more of that. I want a little more barnyard character, and you start to you know blend your various beers together to come up with a nice balanced uh, uh, type of lambic, and uh, you know very complex. And that's you know that's the trick to making that is to brew a bunch of great lambics and blend them together to make one even better. Now, how does a homebrewer know what it is ideal for a goose? I mean, you're you're basically telling us that you know this is you want to blend uh-huh. to your own taste, your own palate. But how do you know what would like be an ideal example of a goose? Another excellent question. I tell you, you, you just amaze me every every uh, every time we do the show with your questions. Well, Chad keeps handing them to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's a fine producer. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, and I think uh, you know that uh, the the thing you want to do is go out and drink a lot of great examples. So you go out and drink the classic examples. You know, you gotta got drink. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Oh, it's hard work. But uh, you know, don't drink. Uh, you know the the you know the. Uh, the real common mass mass type of beer, you know, try and try and drink, you know, some Cantillons and some, you know, uh, go out and spend the money, you know, the twenty dollars a bottle that seems like highway robbery to experience some of these things. And really, you know, one of the brewer's best tools is his palate, right? Sure. You gotta and, trust your gut, trust your palate, right? And yeah. and and John, I know you. You are always. You know, trying to get your hands on beers that are not that often seen around here. If you go into the More Beer showroom, you've got a bunch of beers in the the fridge. And and why are those particular beers there? It's because like, well, John wants to you know get some good examples in of beers that are really hard to get good examples of, and try it. And you know, they're they're great beers, so you'll just drink them anyways. But if you're not interested in styles, but if you're interested in styles, it's a it's an education. And so you know, spend the money. Find those exa- classic examples at you know bjcp.org. You go there, you can look up. They got a list of classic examples. The, huge. What they consider really maybe the best examples um, at the beginning and the lesser examples towards the end, but they're all good examples and have some sort of characters along those lines. Taste them, read the guidelines, think about what you're tasting, and you know uh, a lot of them will be different. But what do they have in common? And that's what you're you're targeting, and that's how you kind of you know calibrate yourself to remember that too. Yeah, uh, you know what you're trying to achieve when you're you're blending your own. Uh, 
When it comes to a fruit lambic, uh, you know, depending on what you want to do, I think um, um, Mike Millam, he was on the, the Sunday show. Right. On a session, yeah. and he was talking about sour beers, and and I've tasted his lambics, awesome. and uh, you know one of the things I think people find awesome about them are there's a lot of fruit flavor in them, yeah. a lot of fruit flavor, more than many commercial examples. Yeah, and also it's a a fairly balanced, drinkable beer. There's sourness to it, but. You know, it's not uh, ridiculously Refreshing sour. Refreshing, too, though. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's got some <laughs> barnyard to it. But again, overwhelming fruit flavor. And if you listen to him, uh, I, I listened to the show only once, and, and I'm sure it sounded like he was putting like 20 gallons or 20 pounds of fruit per gallon or something like yeah, that. It's a lot, ridiculous yeah. amount. But, uh, you know, the starting point for me, even with like some a bold fruit like raspberries, is uh, five pounds for two and a half gallons of wow. beer. And Chad and I were talking before the show. He's like, is that a typo or <laughs> it's yeah. like no you pretty much you know jam all that fruit into the into the uh, the 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 carboy yeah. and then you add the beer right and uh, you know the beer pretty much just fills in all the voids and it's like a solid mass of fruit with you know beer suspension awesome you know filling in the void it's pretty wild yeah it's crazy and that's the kind of way you can get these intense fruit flavors if you don't go uh, overboard and uh, you know, like John, uh, you and I talked about uh, fruit beers. One of our earlier shows, the more mellow the fruit, the more you're going to have to use of it to really get that flavor. Because right. it really, you know, the the bugs will break down a lot of those things that develop that flavor. Uh, there's some off gassing which will carry that stuff away. There's some oxidation. All those things will compete with you on the on the fresh fruit flavor. I know Mike Millam, he. He would do one fruit, and then you know after that was done, he would do another, and he just kept and doing it until fruits, yeah. until it finally was fruity enough to his taste. Right, right, right yeah. And uh, you know, it takes a lot of fruit; it's very expensive that yeah. way. Um, he would blend back though. You know, he would do a goose with his fruit and blend mm-hmm. back some to mellow out the fruit too. He, mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. though he's done that, so. right? Oh, the, and yeah. again, that's that's a good point. Yeah. You you know, you get to a certain intensity level. If it's too much, yeah. you can always add back, uh, you know, a straight lambic and uh, you know, kind of mellow out the the flavors. And again, adjusting it's it's very much like a wine make. And you're you're very much into making wine, yeah. John. Yeah, wouldn't is, you say this is very similar in oh, that ways with a lot of blending and readjusting and you know oh, yeah. uh, evaluating? And it's a year long process, two years, five years. You know, you get to use oak. Um, you get to mm-hmm. blend to your taste what you like, um, and you're doing a lot of stuff that's old techniques historically. You know, from Belgium, and you get to apply all these practices on a simpler level than today with our modern techniques as homebrewers that we have. So mm-hmm. I think it opens a whole other world for homebrewers if you can really start screwing around with lambics and get your hands dirty, you know. Mm-hmm. Just make sure you keep the bugs separate from the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you prepare the fruit? I mean, are you just tossing it in? Are you? St- how do you clean the fruit? I mean, what do you yeah, you can you can you know blanch it, you know pasteurize it, uh, get yourself some some hot water and you know dump it in. Uh, or you know, I really like the Oregon Puree products. Oh, those uh, are great. You know, yeah. they're you know they're sterile, right out of the can. can. Just yeah, and it's it's some and I'll tell you, it's more intense fruit than uh, because they they use some of the most select fruit for that wonderful flavors in that. I like it better than, you know, I go out to the, the, the store and buy, buy fresh fruit and, you know, they, they harvest it so early it hasn't developed its flavor. If you ever grew, grew, grow fruit on your own, I was going to take a break, but now you got me going again. 
If you ever grow fruit on your own, I've got uh, like a cherry tree that's just coming in right now. And, you know, my wife picks some cherries and it's like cherries in the grocery store. I'm like, no, 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 way too early, way too early, you know, and they're, they're, they're a little, a little bit tart, kind of sweet, but, you know, not a huge amount of flavor. I'm just like, give them just a couple more days. And then they really darkened up and you pull one of them off and incredibly sweet in this, this huge cherry flavor, like no cherry you've ever had in your life. The same thing goes for all my, I got like a grapefruit tree and a peach tree and mandarin orange and all this and you have these, and you're just like, I, I can't believe the flavors you get from this. It's leaving it on the tree much longer. And it's the and same thing goes, yeah. yeah. And, you know, a lot of these Oregon uh, products, they really, uh, you know, they're harvesting. You know, they'll wait to maybe they've got an abundance of, you know, overly ripe fruit. They can't, you know, sell it fresh. You know, they harvest it, and they sell it, uh, you know, as a canned product. And that's wonderful, I think. Uh, really good, really good. Better than your average grocery store type of fruit. Sure. If Unless home- you're growing your own. Yeah, well, if, you're, if you are a homebrewer growing your own uh, and you want to brew a peach lambic or an orange lambic or a strawberry, whatever, um, and you taste that fruit right off the vine and you think it's perfect, what do you do? Do you freeze it? Do you refrigerate it? Or do you brew right there and then? What do you do? Right. If you if you have, uh, you know, I would wash it if it's something like an orange or something with a rind where you can wash it and not uh, mess up the fruit. And then uh, you can freeze it. And the nice thing about freezing is it explodes a lot of the cells and opens it up better. Huh. And then, um, you know, you could go ahead and just, just jam it right in the carboy, you know, after you, you know, cut it up and, Even cold and or stuff it in there. Do you have to wait till it thaws out or... I think you can fr- throw it in frozen. Okay, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, yeah, not really. Probably. It's going to cool things down, but yeah, you let the bugs warm up. You'll be all right. It's, I think. I think not a problem. All right, we'll take a uh, short break, and when we come back, we will get into questions from the chat room, and we'll be giving away uh, three bags of Vinny's uh, Oak Chips, complimentary of uh, Peter. We'll be back right after this. <laughs> Crap, it's the hop shortage. He's in the basement. Oh, please. My triple decocted Imperial Pilsner. It's all gone. We'll never brew again. Damn this hop shortage. Damn it to hell. Boss is boss. Hop shortage? Who are you guys? Ich bin Doppelbach. Ich bin Kirsch. Und ich bin Münchner Helles. We don't need a lot of hops to be delectable. Now brew something. Malzi. Use less hops, brew more beer. Northern Brewer has kits and ingredients for dozens of worldwide beer styles that don't require a lot of hops to make a great pint. Like the cool blonde Kolsch or the ponderously bottom-heavy Doppelbach. Keep drinking great beer. Order at northernbrewer.com and get flat rate $7.99 shipping anywhere in the contiguous U.S. One beer kit, $7.99 shipping. One million beer kits, $7.99 shipping. Together we can beat this hop shortage. Mm Mm-hmm. Now get brewing! Hi, I'm Sean O'Sullivan, the brewmaster and co-founder of the 21st Amendment Brewery and Restaurant in San Francisco. Six years ago, Nico Freccia and I opened the 21st Amendment on 2nd Street with the intent of bringing back the local neighborhood brew pub. Well, the neighborhood has really changed over the years, but the 21st Amendment still remains a great place for people to meet over a terrific meal and a tasty pint of beer. In the past, the only way you could enjoy the 21st Amendment's handcrafted beers was at the brew pub. Well, all that has changed. Now, the 21st Amendment beers are available in cans. 
That's right, cans. When was the last time you had a great beer in a can? Well, that day has come. We're offering our world-famous watermelon wheat and 21A IPA in cans. Cans are a better package than glass because cans keep the beer fresher longer, but you can also take cans to places where bottles can't go, like the beach, lake, golf courses, and sporting events. So join us in the revolution to take back the can from the big breweries and crack open a cold 21A craft beer in a can. The 21st Amendment, 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giant Every year, June 14th is remembered for many reasons. Action Comics Issue 1 released, introducing Superman. The Continental Congress approved the design of the national flag. Steffi Graf's birthday. But this year will top them all. Hey, you guys. This is Bevo. And if you come to the anniversary show, I might be drunk enough to let you take pictures of my boobs. It's the Brewing Network's third anniversary party. Hey, howdy, hey. This is Jamel. I'll be there. Hey, guys, it's Sully. I'll be on the Vespa with Steph. See you there. This Kelly Beck, and I'll be there. This is Announcer Guy, and I'll be there. John Foster. Chris Graham. Bad Rock. Bob. Jay Brew. We say. Pusha Jack. Mrs. Push. Manna. O.J. Simpson. Hey, this is John Palmer. I'm going to miss the drunk Jenga. Damn. Come celebrate three years of live beer radio at Downtown Joe's in Napa, Saturday, June 14th. This is Bevo, and I'm going to be there. Ooh, that's good. Don't miss it. Attention homebrew shop owners at Fermentap. They know you're tired of buying the same old gear that everyone else has. That's why Fermentap offers the newest and most cutting-edge brewing equipment known to man. Since 1998, Fermentap has been leading the fight against the boring and mundane by offering strange, unique, and just plain smart equipment. Like their stainless-domed false bottoms. Never deal with the floating plastic hassle of other false bottoms again. And since they're made from stainless steel, they'll last a lifetime. Fermentap's line of copper for wart chillers are the best on the market, designed to cool your wart faster and more efficiently than other immersion chillers. They actually invented the equipment to make these chillers not only work great, but look great too. How about a fantastic line of ingredients, including vanilla beans, sorghum extract, blue agave extract, hot bitterness extract, unique wine yeasts, green coffee beans, sake kits, all stuff you can't find anywhere else. Fermentap carries all the standard products and equipment you need as well, such as all-grain systems, stainless hardware, kettles, carbonation stones, you name it, they've got it. Fermentap's entire line of products has been helping retail shops meet the demands of their customers for nearly 10 years, and they want to help you too. For more information, see them on the web at Fermentap.com or call Jason at 1-800-942-2750. Fermentap, better beer through innovation. Live. Beer Radio. The Brewing Network. The Brewcasters. If you're just starting, don't be discouraged by all this stuff. Exactly. It's so easy. Just throw it yeah. together. Put yeah. some yeah. sugar and some water and some yeast in there. Yeah. It's beer. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> Now, back to the Jameel Show. I do feel good. Johnny P yeah, here you with do. me. So Get Chan. And I guess Justin's sitting over there, too. Still feel I good. Guess he, I feel so good. I want to hug you. <laughs> or at least squeeze your ass. Uh, let's see. There you go. <laughs> there you go. You know, you don't have much of a butt. You, you and JP have something similar there. A nice know. ass? What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Let me see a little bit closer. <laughs> closer? Closer? No. 
Hey, JP has no butt. Did you know that? Most people know that. It's like, I don't know how the boy holds up pants, but suspenders are made for that dude, I tell you. He would look good in suspenders. <laughs> well, he needs them. You know, yeah. I don't know how. Uh, it's probably like his bulge in front that hold up his pants. Because, yeah. you know, otherwise, jeez. <laughs> He's got like, you know, no, no butt. I actually pantsed him once at the... Uh, he probably liked it. Homebrew conference. No, I think he was embarrassed. Where were we? We were in, I don't know, somewhere. And somebody, somebody walked up to me and goes, I dare you to go up and pants JP. I'm like, what? Go pants JP. It's okay if you do it. And I'm like, uh, all right, sure. <laughs> I think, you know, they were they were shocked that I went up and I think it totally stunned them that I would go up and do it. Yeah. They just went up and yanked his pants down. Nice. Because <laughs> he had no butt and it just like went right down too. Yeah, and it was probably like, oh. easy. I felt bad, you know. He's a really nice guy. Really, then he uh, got over it two minutes later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I think he's, you know, he's, he's uh, enough of a man that, you know, very little bothers him that long. Yeah. All right. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So I felt bad about it later, of course. Like most things I do when I've had a few beers in me, I was like, oh, geez. Shouldn't have done that one. <laughs> Pantsing JP, I'll put on that list. Check. <laughs> Check. Right. You have another beer and you're over it. Okay. So we're talking uh, Lambics, and uh, we got a bunch of questions from the chat room. We do. And, of course, as Jamil mentioned, we are giving away uh, three dime bags of the good stuff from Russian River. And I don't mean the good stuff that... That grows. You weigh when on the same scale you use for your hops. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, those dime bags of soaked oak chips. And here's what we've done. As Jamil said, we're going to pick the uh, the best uh, three questions because we have three bags to give away. This is all courtesy of your friend in the forum, Pete Dedink. We've already chosen our three. Don't complain about if you didn't get picked because we just chose them because we liked them. There was no real official rules other than what Jay Z liked and one that we all liked because it was funny. So I'll do those first, and then I just have a ton of questions from them, Jamil. Uh, so first winner question, you're going to get a dime bag. Um, is there a way to artificially age hops for this style of beer? No. All right, next question. <laughs> it's that quick, huh? <laughs> no, I think actually that's a good question. A lot of people ask this. They're like, can you you bake them in the oven, yeah, you that. know, or food dehydrator, things like that. And I, and I suppose those things would work well. Uh, you know what? what I would do is uh, just go ahead and get yourself some whole leaf hops. And I guess it's difficult now, but you might you might be able to go to uh, you know one of your brewing stores, and maybe they, they won't now, but you say, hey, you got anything that's a uh, little old uh, hops that you, know, you kind of want to get rid of at a reasonable price? I'm going to use them for Lambics later on. I'll bring you some bottles of Lambic after I'm done. And, you know, you might get, uh, you know, some hops that they can't really sell and get them real cheap. You know, throw them in a, a paper bag, and you start your brewing a year from now. <laughs> you get it prepped a year ahead. Wow. Yeah. No, wow. I think, you know, and get yourself a bunch, because they're yeah. good for several years. So, like, pounds yeah. and pounds of work. Yeah, oh, get, okay. get yourself a few pounds and, uh, and uh, you know, set them aside. And this is, this is a process. As, uh, you know, an advanced brewer, you are going to, uh, uh, you know, set this aside and... You know, you're 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 engaging in a in a lifelong uh, quest of the perfect uh, sour beers. You're going to brew a lambic at least once a year. Uh, I brew sour beers like you know every April. Uh, I kind of gotten into that habit. And uh, Justin was asking me the other day about that, and yeah, I'm like, yeah, every April I'm throwing together more sour beers, and each year, you know, it just keeps developing. You keep doing. It. I I do more and more every April, <laughs> and you could do it more often than that if you wanted. But uh, you get yourself started by getting your hops ready. Yeah. Okay. Or growing your own too would probably be ideal. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, homegrown hops are, are great for this too. Okay, and the asker of that question was way at the beginning of the show, of the show, and I didn't write down your name, dude. So uh, send me an email. You know who you were. The first one to ask about artificially aged hops. You're a winner there. Second one. This is from Dressel Brew. He's in the chat room hanging out, and he says he wants to know: uh, Do we need to use a dedicated keg for doing these, or can we just rebuild the keg, the O rings, and all that, and then it'll right. be fine again? I think that's an excellent question. I actually, you know, and I'm real picky about this, but I actually use the you know kegs i i don't i i thought initially i would mark them and do all that stuff i don't you know i'll have like a you know flanders going but see every time i use a keg i completely break it down i take all the o-rings off the poppets out all the pieces apart and i soak them in you know 130 degree pbw and then you know hot water rinses and then you know a, a good dose of star sand all the little parts individually and i have no problems Okay. Now, I think if you want to go ahead and dedicate a keg to that, I think that's actually a pretty good idea. Yeah. And I don't think you're, you know, I, I don't think you're being overly cautious when you do that. Um, and I think if you've got the equipment to do it, great. If you don't, uh, you know, you just make sure you're being very, very cautious about your cleaning and your sanitation. The the thing that a lot of people don't realize is those bugs are all over the place. Sure, you know if you see if you look at you know at the the sun coming through at an angle and you see all the dust floating around. Yeah, that dust is carrying uh, bacteria, wild yeast, and it's drifting down and landing all over everything. Sure, so that stuff's all over the place. Don't fool yourself into thinking, oh no, no, it's not out here. And you know, it's no, no, it's all over the place. So. You're if you're brewing clean beer, you're already dealing with it, and uh, you're you're beating it. So uh, you know, I wouldn't. You're beating it. Yeah, he said beating it. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it too much. All right, and our third winner um, is is Bug Eater, our friend Bug Eater, and Boogita. You had mentioned how much you like using. Uh, I like it in the can. Canned fruit again yeah. with you and liking in the can. Yeah, that's my life. And. Although this is a good question, I just think it's hilarious because of you and your clean suit, Jamil. <laughs> Bug Eater wants to know, should we sanitize the can? Uh, you're saying the fruit inside is fine yeah. and sanitized, yeah. but do we need to sanitize the outside of the can? Yeah, I, would, I definitely would clean it. Again, you know, the, the can sit there, dust is constantly falling out of the air, bacteria, different strains of bacteria, different wild yeasts that you may not want in your beer, especially the wild yeast that can add a, a real phenolic to it, which you may not want on this mm-hmm. t- style of beer. So, yeah, clean the clean the surface of the can thoroughly. Uh, yeah, I have one of those instant hot water uh, faucets on my, my sink, and so I'll run that across 190-degree water. I'll just splash all around the top and around the edge, and, you know, that'll do it. Or you put spray alcohol on it and flame it or whatever you want to do. That'd be cool. But it's it's well worth, you know, just clean up. It's it's a few moments of caution to ensure great beer. So I think that's, that's a really good idea. And, uh, yeah, I like it in the can. <laughs> All right. And other than our winners, we did get a lot of really great questions. So thanks, mm-hmm. everybody. Lots um, of great questions. So here's a couple more. Um, a, a turbid mash for this beer. And maybe real quick, what is mm-hmm. a turbid mash? You know, Would you recommend Versus a turgid mash. Yeah. Mass. Oh, is that right? No. Oh, it, is, <laughs> is it different? <laughs> when you're turgid, it's different than when things are turbid. Gotcha. Uh, no. Uh, <clears throat> uh, turbid mash. Yes. <clears throat> you know, uh, perhaps one of the easiest things to do is just throw in some flour 
and get uh, you know some of those unconverted starches. The the bugs will eat those unconverted starches. So you can throw in uh, you know some flour into uh, uh, you you can use uh, you know un- unmalted wheat if you're uh, all grain brewing. You can uh, use uh, you know uh, unmalted wheat as well as uh, throw some flour, just plain old bread flour into. Into your your boil or your mash. What are you talking like? A tablespoon or two tablespoons per five gallons? Yeah, or? I think uh, you know, like a tablespoon into uh, five gallons, and uh, you know, it just adds more starches that the uh, that the the bugs can consume because the yeast won't use the starches; they'll, okay. they'll be left over. And that's what uh, Steve Piotz is doing with his maltodextrin. Okay. And I had questions about that, too. Um, there was a lot of talk in there about long-chain sugars mm-hmm. and whether or not the bugs do actually break them down and eat them. Um, are there types of long-chain sugars that are not eaten by bugs? Is there a better way for us to get long-chain sugars? Things like that. Yeah, I don't know for sure what, what the, they will consume or not. But, you know, if, you, um, if you've judged enough uh, homebrew... And the long chain sugars in the homebrew, you'll realize that yes, pretty much everything can be consumed. It seems and will sour, and uh, you know the beers will become almost water thin. Mm-hmm. So most of the uh, longer chain sugars, I think, will will get consumed. I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Okay. Someone asked about the Better Bottle Carboy, and you guys sell this, John, so you might know too. Um, and you want to know what we know about the oxygen permeability of the Better Bottle Carboy, which, if you don't know, that's the plastic-style carboy, or a glass carboy, or a plastic bucket. Well, we sell it as 0% oxygen permeability. Is that what they say? And that's what they claim, too, as a product, because we use them in winemaking a lot, too. Mm-hmm. So when you're storing for years in there... Um, you don't want oxygen to get in there and turn it to vinegar. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, any claim, experience with it? Have you used them? No, I haven't used them personally. I've worked with customers that have. Um, the only downside I've heard of is um, off flavors contributed because plastic you can leach flavors in the plastic, okay. so you might get some crossing. But other than that, no oxygen. Okay. All right. Um, another good question: uh, Can you stress bugs by underpitching in order to bring out certain characteristics, like we do sometimes with yeast? Yeah, I think uh, less so than uh, with the yeast. Uh, you know, it's kind of a long haul type of thing, and I think a lot of those bugs, you know, they start out with a few cells and they can keep going. So. Uh, maybe not not so much as as much, but I I uh, I think you know the amount you pitch does make a difference. Uh, for example, you know on on Chad's uh, you know first lambic, uh, you know put in a considerable amount of brat and PDO and uh, and lactobacillus in a two gallon batch, and uh, you know I think it really shows. So uh, more than. D- Defining a particular flavor, I think temperature is and work composition really make a big difference, and then um, amount of oxygen and uh, the amount you pitch. So if you pitch, you know, heavy on lactobacillus, you can get more lacto character than uh, you know, or if you pitch heavy on bread or heavy on pito or whatever, you can get more of those characters. So I would I would go look at it more that way than uh, particularly trying to stress it to get a, a particular flavor. But I I imagine that does have some effect. Okay. Um, some some questions are kind of complicated. We are running out of time, so I'm trying to get through them quick. Is there a difference between a difference in sourness and Brett flavor? Does Brett mm-hmm. impart sourness, or is it a different flavor? Uh, Brett, Brett, 
can uh, provide sourness, uh, but uh, you know a lot of the the flavors that come, uh, you know, uh, you know barnyardy or other flavors, uh, pineapple fruity flavors. Brett can produce a whole range of flavors. Okay. Uh, and, and sourness is one of them. Uh, yes, yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, how about this one? Uh, this person says he heard that Cantillon's, uh, this is a goose question, was uh, Cantillon's classic goose. It's a blend of three year and two year. And then they put in just enough one year that has bugs in it to carbonate the bottle. Mm-hmm. Just kind of sounds like a cool method. Um, is there any way that we would be able to calculate if a one year had enough? to do that for us if we wanted to carbonate in that method yes i think if you had like 150 years of experience (laughs) you could have a pretty good idea so hang in there buddy (laughs) right right. you're 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 at the beginning but with enough data you can do it no i think um uh you can get some ideas and uh you might try um you know see i i'm terrible at this i i counter i keg and counter pressure fill everything because it's so certain you know and you'll even do it with a beer like this? Yeah. I'm a ween. Okay. Yeah. Because it's a really small amount of carbonation that we want, right? Uh, oh, it depends. You can serve uh, a lot of these, you know, perfectly still. Okay. Uh, as well as sparkling, so. Okay. All right. That about covers it. A lot of good questions today. Thanks, everybody. Excellent job, everyone. And, uh, you know, if you get a chance, uh, take yourself over to the Brewing Network store. And you can help support the Brewing Network and a great cause in the American Homebrewers Association by signing up to be a member of the American Homebrewers Association. You get a great magazine, Zymergy. You get pub discounts. And best of all, you're supporting the homebrew community and ensuring the continued uh, legality and uh, freedom of access of uh, homebrewers to uh, uh, our fine hobby. And uh, I think uh, you've got uh, Brewing Classic Styles books available, signed. In, signed, in, huh? The only place you can buy them signed, right there in the Brewing Network store. It, right now, i got to update the store tonight. They're there. The description is the old description from when we were doing pre-sale, mm-hmm. so it's misleading. You think you're not going to get your book till November. You cool. order this week, you'll have your book next week. I'll yeah, change yeah. it tonight. Just so, so in know. other words, you couldn't be troubled for the past year I just to forgot really about do it. anything. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and I was drinking. Quality, quality uh, story. At least Justin provides quality uh, brewing information. And, uh, and well, and you know, quality. Uh, you know, the brewing network is is really uh, you know the effort of uh, people like Justin that that make this all possible. If you get a chance, you really want to support the brewing network, and you don't uh, care about buying books or AHA memberships or uh, subscribing to BYO through the brewing network. There's a, a link on the banner page and subscribe to BYO. Uh, you can just donate. There's a uh, a donate button, and you can have a recurring donation of a couple of bucks uh, a month, and it makes the a world of difference to the Brewing Network. If you get uh, you know a thousand people to sign up at two bucks a month, it actually will keep the lights running, keep the equipment going. Even when uh, Justin spills beer in a piece of equipment, it uh, it tends to uh, make it all better again, and uh, keeps us on the air. So if you can do that, that is appreciated as well. Yeah. So I think that was a really good show. Thank you, Chad, for uh, stepping in. And, Anytime. Uh, hey, you guys got stones of steel there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Johnny, glad the uh, police didn't take you away. And uh, I think we had a really good show. Cheers. Sour beers. Brew strong. Brew strong, my brothers and sisters. 